Well, good morning again, church. So uh, today we are starting a new sermon series called This Is Us, The Core of Who We Are, and we're going to be uh, taking a look at our core values. Before we do, um, one of our core values is celebrating stories, and, uh, and I just want to celebrate. Uh, we have um, Gwen Davis had a birthday, and so we want to say happy birthday to Gwen and celebrate uh, the story that God is doing in your life. So thank you for being here uh, so we could uh, celebrate you. Uh, also, at the 11 o'clock service, we're going to be celebrating our students and our kids' ministry as we uh, celebrate leveling up. And so they're going to be taking a step up into their grades and moving on. Some of them are moving on from preschool into elementary. Some of them are moving from toddlers to preschool. Some of them are moving from elementary to preteens and preteens to students. And so uh, it's going to be an exciting morning uh, for those students at 11 o'clock. And, and so we'll be celebrating them and, and praying over our students. But I just invite you. Uh, to keep our kids' ministry and our student ministry in your prayers and continue to pray for them. And, uh, and you know, we could still use some, uh, some, some door holders in those areas. And so if you aren't serving and you're looking for an exciting place to serve once or twice a month, um, I know that uh, kids' men and student men would love to have you. And so uh, please make sure you see either Lori Bricken or uh, Brenton. Brenton's back there. And so you can see Brenton. And uh, if you'd love to uh, serve in student ministry, I know he'd love to have you. And, uh, and so hanging out with our students. And um, so that's happening at 11 o'clock. And also we're going to be um, uh, celebrating uh, Michael. Um, gosh, his last name just completely left me. Ellis, thank you. I don't know where it went. It just left. Uh, so uh, we're going to be celebrating Michael Ellis at the 11 o'clock as well and praying over him as he is uh, heading out on a new adventure and a new season in his life. And uh, he is moving, already living in Lexington and, um, and working in, uh, for the government, and so we want to pray for him, and uh, we're going to be doing that again at the 11 o'clock, but if you can keep Michael Ellis in your prayers as he begins this totally new season in his life, and, uh, and it'll be fun for him and, uh, and exciting, and so we want to be here for him and continue to be his church and support him. Uh, so those are happening, a lot of things happening. Uh, but right now, uh, let's uh, jump into our sermon series, and again, it's called This Is Us, and it's the core of who we are. And like I said, over the next five weeks, uh, we're going to be taking a deep dive, really, into the five core values of Warehouse Church. So we say them a lot around here. We talk about them. Uh, but we want you to have a complete understanding of what these five core values are. And you know the mission, and we say this every Sunday too, the mission of Warehouse Church, the sole reason that we exist it's up on the screen, or it will be, is so that more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. In other words, uh, we want to see ordinary people become fearless followers of Jesus, that that's our hope, that's our dream for every person that walks through the doors of our church. And, uh, and so, um, and we want to see every person experience transformation. And what does that mean? What does it mean to be transformed? Uh, it means a complete or a major change in a person's life. And so we want and we hope and our dream and what keeps me up at night is the people that walk through our doors, uh, no matter whether they've been here for uh, years or whether they've been here for hours that they would see transformation, that they would see change happen in their life because of their relationships with one another and because of their relationship with God. And so we imagine, we imagine a church, and we say this a lot too, where we meet people right where they are and we help lead them to where God wants them to be. 
Because we're all leading to a destination, and God has a destination for every one of our lives. He wants us to arrive at some place, and we want to be a part of that. We want to help you to take your next steps in becoming who God wants you to be. And Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He said, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone who says yes to Jesus, has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. And so we get excited. I get excited about seeing people take on this new life. That when they said yes to Jesus, the old life is gone and this new life is beginning. And I love to see people take their next steps in their walk with Jesus. And we believe, we believe that to accomplish the mission that God has given Warehouse Church, that we must own, that you and I must own these five core values, that they're not just some fancy slogans that we have on pictures and we have on, 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 on posters and we have around the place, but these are things that we actually allow to become who we are. And the first core value that we know is that we say that we love differently, that we desire to be a community of people where everyone, through our words and our actions and our attitudes, where we love everyone through those things. So we want to love differently. The second one is that we celebrate stories, right? That transformation, we believe that transformation takes place when we celebrate God's big story and every little story that he's writing in our lives. The third core value that we hold to is that we want to grow purposefully, that we're committed. We are committing to holding each other accountable to growing both individually but also corporately. That we believe that there's this, there's this uh, value in you growing in your faith on your own, individually, but also that we grow together corporately. And then find, uh, fourth, we want to live real. We want to be honest. Like we want to be honest about who we are. We want to be authentic. We want to be genuine so that for no other reason than that God can transform our lives and make us new. That we believe that if we're not living real, that God can't work in our lives. And so we want to live real, unauthentic lives. And then finally, we always want to think legacy, right? We always want to think legacy. Our church is only as strong. Think about this. Our church is only as strong as the faith of the next generation. And so we want to live our faith out loud to make an impact on the next generation. That's why we value kids' ministry. That's why we value student ministry because we know, we know that our church is only as strong as those people in our kids' ministry and our student ministry. And so this is us. This is the core of who we are. We love differently. We celebrate stories. We grow purposefully. We live real and we think legacy. And it's my hope and it's my desire as your pastor that by the end of these five weeks, that like I said before, that these core values won't just be nice slogans that we say, but that they will become a part of who you are and that you will live them out in the daily for the sole reason that God's mission for our church to see more people experience transforming relationships with Jesus will become a reality. We want to see hundreds more people say yes to Jesus. We want to see a hundred more people, hundreds of more people join the mission here. We want to see hundreds of more people 
bring friends to Warehouse Church. We want to see hundreds of more people choose community in small groups and live generously through their finances and through their talents and through their gifts. And so today, I want to start with my favorite core value, and it's living, loving differently. Loving differently. We want to love differently. And this is the very core value, if I'm honest with you, that drew me to Warehouse Church. That when I was considering applying for your next pastor, it was this core value that caught my attention. It was this core value that said, that's a church that I can be a part of. And I remember sitting in a, uh, it was in a Starbucks parking lot in Odessa, Florida, which is an outside of Tampa. I was sitting there and I was on the phone with your pastor, Clayton Case, and we were talking about Warehouse Church and he was unfolding for me the core values. And when he began to speak about the core value of loving differently, I was hooked. I was like, dude, I'm in. Like, I can get behind that. Like, that's what I'm passionate about too. You see, here's what I believe. I believe with all of my heart that loving differently is the number one way that the church is going to move forward and influence the world. I believe that with all of my heart, that this core value is the, is the, is the cream of the core values. It's the one at the top for me, because I believe that if we are going to uh, impact this generation and we're gonna impact the generations that are coming up behind us, that we must, and when I say the church, I'm not talking about Warehouse Church, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about the believers. I'm talking about people who have said yes to Jesus. And that if we're gonna make an impact in our community, in our culture, it begins here. It begins with us as believers in Jesus saying and committing to loving differently. But what does that mean? What does it mean to love different? What does that look like? And, and to help us, I, 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 uh, Shelby, I asked Shelby Witt that she would share uh, briefly what, uh, how she has experienced love differently here at Warehouse Church. So why don't you watch this video? When I think about how the people at Warehouse Church love differently, I think about when I first started going to church there. And it was during COVID and Children's Church wasn't open at that time. And Olivia had just started learning how to crawl and she was all over the place. And I was so visibly stressed. And Beth Griffith must have noticed because she went to the nursery and got all kinds of toys for Olivia to play with just so I would be able to sit through the service. And that was just the first of many ways that I was showed love there when I first started going. During my pregnancy with my son, there were so many scares. And I was constantly reaching out to people in the church for prayers early in the morning, late at night, all through the day. And there was always somebody there to respond to me and to pray with me and give me words of comfort. And that is what I needed in that time. And I'm just so grateful that I have met people in the church that can be there for me anytime that I need. I have made friends to go through motherhood with and friends that have raised their children that I can go to for godly advice, for prayers, for hug, just somebody to be there for me. I watch every Sunday as the people at the door greet everyone with so much love and excitement. And I just hope the new guests that come here, I hope that they feel that. And I hope they feel the same way I did when I first started coming here. And I'm just so glad to be a part of this and that God put me in Warehouse Church and brought the people in my life that he did because they have become more than just friends. They are like family to me now. And I'm just so thankful that I have them. 
Yeah, you can give her a hand. So Shelby, she's like our own little TikTok queen. And so I said, Shelby, you got to talk to us like, like you're doing TikTok. And so she shared uh, some great examples, some really practical examples of how we as a church love differently. And I thought about, you know, to, I think to help us to understand, to understand uh, what it means to love different from a biblical perspective. Like, what does the Bible say about loving differently? Then we have to go all the way back to Adam and Eve. Like, we got to go back to the beginning, to Genesis, and when Adam and Eve were in the garden. And you see, when sin entered the world, when Adam and Eve cho chose to do their own thing rather than to listen to God, its immediate effect, sin's immediate effect was to destroy relationships. And once they sinned, Adam and Eve were instantly separated from God. Like instantly, they were separated from God and even from one another. And before sin, they were naked and they were unashamed, right? Like they, they didn't, it didn't bother them. They didn't know any differently. But after they sinned, after they uh, followed their own way rather than followed God's way, they tried to hide their shame. Their shame from one another and their shame from God. And you see, here's what I'm realizing really easily in my life is that sin always damages relationships. That when we have sin in our lives, it always, always, always damages our relationships. And the whole thrust of the Bible, the whole uh, story of the Bible is to show us, show us how we should, should and can love God and love others, right? Like that's what the Bible from the very beginning to the very end is all about us loving God and loving people. But to love God, we must first understand that God first loved us. And we got to understand that because even first John tells us, the apostle John tells us that he says, we love, we love because God first loved us. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That while we were separated from God, that God showed his love for us by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. You see, Jesus had to die and pay the penalty for our sin, a penalty that we deserved, a penalty that we should have paid for. But believing the gospel makes us right with God and that immediately floods our hearts, that when we say yes to Jesus, it floods our hearts with his love so that we can begin a lifelong battle of loving God and loving others differently. Now, I said battle, right? Like, what does that mean? What is it? Why is it a battle? Well, let me just share with you that loving God and loving others, that that's who we are as a church, but it's not easy. This is us but it's not easy. As a matter of fact, it's hard to love differently because of the sin in our lives. That's what makes it so hard. That's what makes it a battle is that loving differently is something that only can be done through God. But because of sin in our lives, it's really hard. And we are naturally selfish people, right? We are. I mean, just re be real. Like admit it. We are naturally selfish and we don't want to sacrifice ourselves and our wants and our desires for God or for anyone else. And so the Christian life, it really is this constant battle between living for ourselves and living for Jesus. It's a fight. It's a battle. And one of the most practical tests that we can do to determine whether Jesus is truly our Lord is by examining how we're doing at loving others. How are we doing it loving differently? 
What does it look like in our lives? We have to ask ourselves the question. I have to ask myself the question. Am I growing in genuine love for my family? Am I growing in genuine love for my fellow believers? Am I growing in genuine love for those who are far from God that I know? And the answer to those questions is a good marker for how well you are doing at loving differently. You see, genuine love for God always, always, always spills out into genuine love for others. That if you're truly loving God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, if you're truly doing that, it's going to show up in your relationships with those around you. And this is, this is us, loving differently. As a matter of fact, this is the consistent and constant message throughout the New Testament. The Apostle John reveals to us our tendency to fake our love for others. When he wrote these words, he said, Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, and John loves to use this word, is a liar. He's a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they've seen cannot love God who they have not seen. He also tells us uh, that our love for one another is evidence that we're living for Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul also makes a big deal out of love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Paul talks about the body of Christ, right? Like if you were to go and read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's all about the body of Christ. It's all about how we need each other and we're here for each other. And then he talks about the spiritual gifts and how God has given each of us gifts to use to advance the kingdom of God. And then he follows up with chapter 13. And if you're familiar with the Bible, you know that 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's known as the love chapter, right? It's a, it's, a book, it's a chapter in the Bible that we often hear at weddings, but it has nothing really to do with marital love. It has everything to do with how we, as the church, should love one another. And he talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And then in our passage today in Romans chapter 12, which if you have your Bibles, I invite you to go ahead and open up to Romans chapter 12. And he talks about the body of Christ and he talks about the importance of the body of Christ, the church. And then he talks about spiritual gifts, just like he did in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He talks about the gifts in verses 4 through 8. And then we get to verses 9 and 10 of Romans 12. And here's the words that he uses about love. And these are important words for us. He says this. He says, love must be sincere. It must be genuine. It must not be hypocritical. It must not be fake, but it must be real. He says, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. He goes on and says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. You see, this is the first time in all of the book of Romans, if you've ever read the book of Romans, you know that the book of Romans is very theological, it's very uh, heady. It's, it, it's Paul uh, really laying out this theological foundation for us. And, and this is the first time that we see in Romans where he gets very specific and he gets very practical about what is required of us as believers in our daily lives. Like Paul's finally saying, okay, let me, let me get real pragmatic here. Let me get real practical about what it means to be a Christ follower. See, in chapters 1 through 11, he's been very doctrinal. He's been very uh, laying this doctrinal foundation. It's kind of like his 
manifest or his treaty about what it means to follow God. It's very theological. And even in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and 1 through 8, actually, he gives us like the general requirements. It's very general about what it means to be a believer. He talks about presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice uh, and to how to exercise our spiritual gifts. But now, beginning in verse 9 of Romans chapter 12, Paul suddenly becomes painfully specific. And this is where, if you will, Christianity gets real. Like this is where the rubber meets the road. This is taking Christianity out of the heavens and bringing it down here for us. This is where you and I are to live every minute of every day. Like Paul's about to tell us what it means, what it looks like to live out the Christian faith on a daily basis. And Paul begins by spelling out what loving differently means for us. And if you were to sum up verses 9 and 10, I think it would sound something like this. It would be sacrificial, transformed, living, uh, calls us to love others sincerely. In other words, Paul would say living the transformed life calls you and I to love differently. That's what it means, that if we're going to live the transformed life, that we must love differently. In verses 1 and 2, like I said, Paul uh, tells us that we must present our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God. He says this is our act of worship, and that we're not to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can know God's good, acceptable, and perfect will for our lives. And so verses 9 uh, through 21 spell out in detail what God's good, acceptable, and perfect will looks like in loving relationships. And he gets to verse, and we get to verse 9 and 10, and we have to understand this. And you might want to write this down. Love is a command to obey, not an emotion to feel. And that's huge. Love is a command to obey, not an emotion to feel. And Jesus made it quite clear. In John chapter 13, verse 34, he said this. He said, a new what? Command. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then he gave us the ultimate demonstration. Like Jesus gave the command. He said, listen, I'm going to give you a new command. I want you to love one another, and I'm not only going to give it to you, but the next uh, few days, I'm going to actually demonstrate for you what that looks like. And he went to the cross, and he took on God's wrath on our behalf. And he didn't do it because he felt some e impulsive urge or emotion to do something nice for us. That's not why Jesus got on the cross. He did it out of obedience to the will of the Father. And you remember the prayer in Gethsemane he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Like, God, take this cup from me. I don't want to do this. It's going to be hard. It's going to be painful to go to the cross. I would rather not do it, but not my will, obedience, but your will be done. You see, when you love differently, you are being obedient to God. And the opposite is true too. When you're not loving differently, you're being disobedient to God. Like, let that sink in for a minute. 
that when we are choosing not to love differently, we are choosing to blatantly be disobedient to God. You see, based on Jesus' self-sacrificing love on the cross, we can define biblical love as this. Love is self-sacrificing. It's a caring commitment that shows itself in the seeking of the betterment of others beyond ourselves. It's putting others' needs before our own. And listen, if you're not seeking to live out that kind of love in your life and in your relationships, you're choosing to disobey God. However, through the Holy Spirit, we can choose to sacrifice our selfish interests. We can choose to live a life of humility on behalf of others with the goal that they too might be transformed. See, that's what Shelby experienced when she came to church. That's what she experienced when she came for the first time and her daughter was crawling on the floor, Olivia was crawling on the floor and someone else saw the need and they put their own desires aside and they went and they helped her so that she might be able to spend time listening to the message and hear the good news that God has for her and that so that she might be transformed. And in our passage that we just read from Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 12, I think there's four aspects that Paul shares with us for how we love differently. And here's the first thing that he says. He says that love must be genuine. Love must be genuine. Verses 9 in the New Living Translation says this. It says, don't pretend to love others. That's what it says. I love that. Don't pretend to love others. And it goes on and it says, really love them. Like, don't just pretend that you care about the people around you. He says, really love them. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be fake. Don't be a poser, but actually love them. Don't pretend to love them. You see, Paul would not have written this unless he knew that there was a strong tendency for us to put on a mask, a fake mask of love to cover up our selfishness, our jealousy, our manipulation, and our hatred for other people. Don't pretend to love others. Really love them. The greatest example of insecure love or hypocritical love was Judas. And Judas betraying Jesus. And how did Judas betray Jesus? He did it with a kiss. Outwardly, it looked like Judas really cared for Jesus. He came up to him in the garden. He gave him a kiss. He's like, oh, I love you, master. So that all the other uh, Romans would know who Jesus was. You see, in reality, he wasn't loving Jesus, but he was giving him over to men who would torture and kill him. But Paul is calling you and I to love differently. He's saying that our love must be sincere. He's saying that we must love from the heart, that the English word sincere, I found this out this week, that it actually comes from two Latin words that mean without wax, W-A-X, without wax. And I thought, well, what does that mean? Well, uh, dishonest merchants back in the day, potters, they would, they would make these uh, pottery, they would make these uh, pots out of clay, and there would be cracks in the pots, and they would take wax, and they would, uh, they would fill in the cracks with, these, with wax, and then they would glaze over it, and they would sell them as defective pots that were just fine. They wouldn't tell anyone because they put the wax on there, but eventually, what would happen? 
the wax would crack and it would fall out and then these people would be left with these clay pots that were broken and cracked. And we should always, uh, and so the word uh, sincere comes from uh, the honest dealers would stamp these, this word or this phrase, sine sira, on the pot, which was verifying that it was without wax, that it was real, that it was authentic. That's what sincere means, that it's real. It's not fake. It's the real deal. And we should always genuinely desire God's best for the people around us. John put it this way in 1 John 3.16. He said, this is how we know what love is. Like John's like, you want to know what love is? This is how you know. That Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. It goes on, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them. How can we say that we, the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words of speech, but with actions and in truth. You see, when we love differently, our motive must always be sincere. It must always be honest. It must always be genuine. To seek others, the other person's conformity to the image of Christ above our own. That if you're just looking out for yourself, that if you're just spending your days looking out for number one and, and you're just trying to manipulate the situations around you for your own benefit, you're not practicing biblical love. You're not practicing this idea of loving differently. If you praise someone to their face and then you run, behind, run them down behind their back, you're not practicing biblical love. Biblical love is always sincere. It's always genuine. It's always real. The second aspect of biblical love that Paul talks about in this passage is that love must be holy. It must be holy. Paul goes on to say in, in verse 9, he says, hate what is what? Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. You see, love never endorses, it never aligns itself or encourages attitudes or behavior that are evil. It never does. Rather, it always, always, always embraces what is good in God's sight, his good and acceptable and perfect will. And so Paul assumes that you and I, we know what is evil and we know what is good. And it doesn't change with time. Like time doesn't change what the Bible says is good and time doesn't change what the Bible says is evil. Like I had someone come up to me one time and say, well, God should get with the times. Like the Bible should change with the times. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm like, the Bible doesn't change. It never changes. Evil is still evil and good is still good. And God reveals his holy standards for us in his word. For example, if, we, um, if God's word plainly says that sex outside of marriage is sinful, well, guess what? That doesn't change when public opinion says that it's acceptable. Just because the world says it's okay doesn't mean that it changes what, the, what God's word says because God knew that that hurts people. Rather, the loving thing for us to do is to gently and with compassion tell the person the truth about his or her sin and point them to Jesus so that they can be saved from it. We're not loving people differently when we, uh, when we overlook 
their sin. We're not. We're not loving people differently when we endorse other people's sinful behavior. No, that's not what Paul said. He said that we must hate and abhor and detest what is evil. But he also said, and Paul says, that we must cling to what is good. And that's important. That the word cling literally means glued to. It's like you get Gorilla Glue and you glue it together. That's how we should act and respond. Our, uh, we should cling to that which is good. We are to be glued to that which is good, which is God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. We hold tight to that which is good because the enemy, right? The enemy is always trying to loosen our grip on good by being more tolerant of what is bad or evil. That's how Satan works. He loves to whisper, ah, it's okay. Like, look, the world around you, everyone's doing it. Everyone's shacking up together. Everyone's sleeping together. It's all good. Like, we can get with the times. And that's not what Paul says. Paul says that we should cling to that which is good. And so love must be holy. The next thing that he says is love must be ohana. Well, he doesn't really use the word ohana. But we know from Lilo and Stitch, if you've seen the movie, that Ohana means family, right? And family means nobody is left behind or forgotten. And so Paul says in verse 10, he says, be devoted to one another in love. And that word love right there is the word Philadelphia. It's the word that the city Philadelphia was named after. It's a brotherly love. It's a love uh, that refers to the natural love among brothers and sisters. It's a brotherly love. And when Jesus commanded us to love one another, he said that the world, he said that the world will know whose we are by what? By our love, by how we treat one another, by how we love one another, by being devoted to loving differently. You see, church, this isn't just a fancy core value that we hold at Warehouse Church. This is a biblical value, core value, that we must love differently that we must love others differently because that's how the world knows who we are. Again, this is a command. It's not a suggestion to try when you're in a good mood. This is God commanding us through his son Jesus to love differently. We must realize that by God's mercy, we have been born into his family, right? That we have Ohana happening in our family uh, with other brothers and sisters in Christ all of us who have trusted in Jesus, we become a part of the family of God. None of us deserve it, but we are all related through our new life in Jesus, and we will be spending eternity together. Just look at the person next to you. If they've said yes to Jesus, guess what? You will see their face for the rest of your life and beyond, to infinity and beyond, because we are family. We are family. And so family means ohana, means nobody is left behind. And so we should feel closer to a brother or sister in Christ than to even our own relatives that don't know Jesus because we're family. So loving differently calls us to love genuinely. It calls us to be loved holy, and it calls us to be ohana. And then finally, love must be humble. It's got to be humble. And Paul describes this love in, in the second half of verse 9 when it says, honor one another above yourselves. He didn't just say honor one another. He said honor one another above yourselves. And the Greek word for honor one another means to lead or to go before. 
to set the example. So church, we should be setting the example in our community of what it means to love one another. That if we're going to honor one another above ourselves, that we need to set the example in our lives. In other words, we don't wait around for people to recognize our contributions and to praise us. Instead, we're always looking out and always looking for ways to, uh, that other people are contributing and we wanna honor them and we wanna praise them. We look for ways that we can say, hey, I saw what you did. And that reminded me of Jesus. Like when you did that, when you helped that person out, it reminded me of what it means to love differently. And we should always be looking for ways to praise other people. We should always be looking for ways to lift our brothers and sisters up and to say, I saw what you did. And it reminded me of what it means to love differently. Now, Paul's not saying that we should set aside our gifts uh, or our knowledge and practice kind of this like mock humility where we say, I'm nothing, I'm no good, I've got nothing to offer. That's not what Paul's saying. He's just saying that we should put others before ourselves, that we should praise others and we should put their needs before our own. And, and also, I think we should not overestimate ourselves and underestimate others. As Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 5.10, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. In other words, Paul's saying, look, it was God who worked in me, and it was God who continues to work in me. It wasn't about me. Paul's like being humble here, saying it's not about what I did. It's about what God did through me. So how do we practice this? Like, how do we practice loving sincerely? How do we practice loving holy and living ohana and loving with humility? I want to give you four practical examples as we wrap up today. And the first one is this. Instantly judge your selfishness and anger as sin and ask God's forgiveness. Now, that's a lot of words to simply say, own up to your own faults. Like, own up to the sin in your life. That when you find yourself being selfish and putting your needs before others, just declare it. Say, God, I recognize that I'm being selfish right now, and I need your forgiveness, and I'm sorry for that. And I want to love differently, and I want to put others' needs before my own. So just instantly judge your own selfishness, because sin, it, it's the main enemy to loving differently. It's the one thing that's going to hold you back from loving others the way that God's called us. It's the sin in our lives. So sincerely ask for forgiveness from the one that you've sinned against. And I would just even say, begin with your spouse and your kids. Like when, you, when, you be, when you're selfish towards your spouse or when you're selfish towards your kids, own up to it and walk up to them and say, you know what? I was selfish when I did that. And I'm, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? So don't only just ask God for forgiveness, but ask the person that you've sinned against for their forgiveness as well. And so own up to it. Number two is keep God's love in front of you. Keep God's love for you in front of you. In Ephesians, Paul told us to be kind to one another and to forgive one another, just as God has forgiven us. And then he tells us to be imitators of God and walk in love just as Jesus loved you and gave himself up for you. And so I just want to encourage you, even this week, even today, get creative and how you're going to remind yourself of God's love for you and for others. You do whatever it takes. Put a sticker on your dashboard. 
Tattoo it to your arm if you have to. Uh, Put a reminder in your phone, but do whatever it takes to keep God's love in front of you. Because here's what happens is we forget of God's love for us. We forget of what Jesus did for us. And when we forget that, that's the moment that we begin to become selfish and begin to think of ourselves above others. And so if we will put God's love in front of us, we will be more able to live out this command to love differently. So put God's love in front of you. Get creative about it. Do whatever it takes to keep God's love in front of you. Number three is depend on the Holy Spirit for everything. Man, we can't do this thing on our own. We can't live the Christian life on our own. We cannot fulfill this core value of loving differently on our own. I find myself every morning and I, sit on, I wake up and I sit on the edge of my bed and I pray and I ask God, I say, God, I'm about to put my feet on the ground. And I, and I, and I go through and I say, God, so would you put uh, uh, shoes of peace on my feet? That everywhere I walk, that I, that I walk in peace. And God, would you help me to put others' needs before my own? And then I begin to put on the armor of God. And I just do it mentally to help myself to go through the day uh, with God with me, knowing that I can't do this thing on my own. And you see, when we walk in the Spirit, Galatians tells us that we will not carry out the deeds of the flesh, that if we will choose to walk in the Spirit, that we won't walk in the flesh, which includes things like jealousy and arguing and dissension and division and envy. But rather, if we walk in the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us that we will walk in love, that we will walk in joy, and we will walk in peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. And so we must choose to depend on the Holy Spirit for everything. And then fourth, we got to memorize. Uh, Let me just invite you to memorize 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. You're like, three verses, holy cow, Pastor Rick, that's a lot. And it is. But let me just tell you that if you will do this, you can evaluate whether your attitudes and your words and your actions are in line with loving differently. Because Paul unpacks what love looks like, what genuine, sincere, true, authentic love looks like. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 through 7, he says, love is patient. He says, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. This one's a huge one. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always what? It always protects. It always hopes, and it always perseveres. Let me just invite you to read these words, these verses, over and over each morning for the next month. Just read them over, write them down on an index card, put them in a journal, highlight them in your Bible. And every morning, maybe the first thing you do, like the first thing I do before I put my feet on the ground is invite God to go with me. Maybe the first thing you do is you just read this passage every day and you read it and you keep reading it until it occupies every part of who you are, until it begins to shape you in the way that you love your family and the way that you love others, that you're like, man, I'm just gonna get with the first one. Love is patient, that's where I'm starting. Love is patient, so today I'm gonna work on being patient. Tomorrow I'm gonna work on love is kind. And I'm going to start there and say, love is kind. And, uh, and then the next day, I'm going to work on keeping no records of wrong. And the next day, I'm going to work on not being, uh, not being argumentative. And, and you just read it. 
you allow it to take over every part of your life and you allow it to shape you because this is what love does. This is loving differently. Loving differently in today's world is being kind. Loving different in today's world is not envying. Loving different in today's world is not boasting or pumping yourself up. It's not proud. It's not dishonoring others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. That's what loving differently looks like. It doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. You see, love today, it always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. Later on in that chapter, Paul says, look, love, uh, hope, faith, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. Listen, I get asked all the time, all the time I get asked, what does your church believe? Like all the time people are like, hey, I'm thinking about coming here. What does your church believe? What does it believe about abortion? Or what does it believe about homosexuality? Or what does it believe about uh, Democrats or Republicans or suicide? And the list goes on and on and on. What does your church believe? And you know how I respond? I respond this way. I always answer, you know what? I don't care who you are. You are welcome at Warehouse Church because around here, we love differently. We meet you right where you are. And we love you enough to let God transform you into the person he created you to be. And it all begins with loving differently. Remember, love's not an emotion that you feel. It's a command that you obey. And Jesus said, a new command I give you, to love one another, not as the world loves you, not as movies show you, not as songs talk about, but to love one another, Jesus said, as I have loved you. I died on the cross for you. Now go love others in the same way. Church, I truly believe and will always believe that the way that we transform our world, it begins with this core value loving differently. You want to see Floyd County change? You want to see Pike County change? You want to see Johnson County change? You want to see transformation to happen in the lives of the 90% of the people who don't believe in Jesus? It begins with a simple act of choosing to love differently. This core value, it's the, it's the foundation for all the other core values. And it begins with you and it begins with me making a conscious decision to say, you know what? I'm going to love differently. I'm going to love differently. How will you love differently today? Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for this command that your son gave us to love differently. Lord, the world tells us a lot of different ways that we, that we love in quotes, that we love people. Father, I would say that 90% of the ways that the world tells us to love one another is wrong. But Lord, that you have called us to love in a way that is sacrificial. You have called us to love in a way that puts others' needs before our own. 
you've called us to love in such a way that it transforms the lives of people around us. So Father, I pray for each and every person in this room today that they would allow this core value not just to become the core value of Warehouse Church, but to become their core value, to become the non-essential, to become the non-negotiable thing in their life. The thing that they say, you know what? I am not, I am not going to sacrifice this core value. And I'm gonna choose every day to love like Jesus loved. And when I get it wrong, I'm gonna ask for forgiveness. When I screw up, I'm gonna confess. When I mess up, I'm gonna ask the person that I messed up with for their forgiveness. And I'm gonna start over the next day, being patient, being kind, being humble, and loving differently. Father, if there's someone in this room today who's never said yes to you, that that's where it begins, loving differently begins with a relationship with you and that today would be the day that they would invite you into their life and say, Jesus, I'm, I'm far from you, but I want to be near you. And so today I invite you to be my Lord and Savior because I know and I believe in my heart that you died on the cross for my sin and I want to live forever with you and my brothers and sisters in eternity. Come Lord Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. Love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us in the perfect way. And may we love others in the perfect way too. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, let's stand together and let's sing our closing song together. And as we do, uh, I want to invite you if you'd like to come and spend time in prayer, you're always welcome. Our house is your house. Please come and spend time before the cross. As we sing, if you want someone to pray with you, I always say this, I'm on the front row. Please don't be afraid to invite me to pray with you or bring someone along. Someone sitting near you say, hey, I would love for you to come pray with me. That's what brothers and sisters, that's Ohana, right? That's like living the family, living the love of Philadelphia. Just invite someone to come with you and to pray with you and spend time in prayer. But let's spend time singing with our hearts, bent towards God, leaning in and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us as we sing. Sing with us.